0: Welcome to College Soccer Pathways with uh, Stu Flaherty of uh, Sports Recruit USA. And we have a uh, special guest on today who played for me in the pro ranks with the 2022 NISA champion Michigan Stars, starting central midfielder Jonathan Firmino, who was a central defender at uh, Division II Georgian Court in New Jersey for his college career. So there's probably a lesson for young kids in that with the positional switch and also the pathway to the pro game from Division 2. So, welcome, John. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, Stu. Appreciate it. So, John, the design of these uh, these interviews is to uh, to help the kid you were in high school. You know, and you were a very, very high-level player. Um, you didn't have the greatest grades. Um, you needed some money towards the tuition from a school. And I think uh, even though they mean well, I think a lot of people – tell kids you need to have good grades or you can't play college sports. And while that's well-meaning, it's also not completely true. I mean, good grades will also uh, help you get money. They will open doors that otherwise wouldn't be open. But there's also kids I've worked with in the youth game who are working jobs to help support their household. So the time that they get to invest in homework and school is different to other kids. Not everyone has the platform. And to one kid, a 2.5 might be what he's capable of in his situation. And I guess I kind of don't like the the message that if you don't have above a 3.0, then every door closes in your face. And the, the main reason I don't like that yeah. is it's not true. Um, and it wasn't true for you. When, what G, what GPA did you have coming up as a high school senior? Yeah. So I finished high school with a 2.3. 2.3. Yeah. So, I mean, that, um, that kind of did close some doors to you in terms of D1 money and the D1 world. But you still managed to have a college soccer career, get yourself a degree and also win a professional league championship. And I do think that's information that needs to be out there to help the young John Firmino. But let's, um, let's start from the start. Tell us about your youth career. Um, tell us about the team <laughs> you played on, the lessons you learned, if anything you could, could do differently. And also tell us about my understanding Is you started this college soccer journey, you wanted to play Division One. You ended up playing Division Two. Kind of talk us through that journey.
1: Yeah, so I started playing soccer when I was seven. So uh, I'm from Union, New Jersey. um, So it's a small town in Union, uh, in Jersey, I'm sorry. Um, I grew up in the, I grew up playing in the uh, local travel soccer team uh, for Union Soccer Club. Um, You know, they have a great, uh, great foundation, uh, youth development program. I played there, then I jumped around uh to a couple teams. I even played at the academy level, which I know is very big now. Um and you know, I played throughout well, I played up till fresh well, throughout high school. Um I played um and uh it, it was a good experience. I had uh I I'm thankful for the coach that I had in the past. Uh I had a really good development <clears throat> uh career, youth career. Yeah. Um and you know, going into high school uh i was let's say I, I, I think at freshman the freshman year sophomore year that's kind of when I, I started getting involved with the uh the college recruitment wanting to get into colleges and kind of learning more about i guess the college recruiting <clears throat> system and how it worked um you know i i'll be honest i had a, like i said i had a 2.3 um gpa it wasn't the best Um, you know, once I started learning more and, you know, I started performing well and in in high school, I started getting approached by like division one college coaches. Um, and they started telling me, oh, listen, like, uh, what's your GPA? You know, is your GPA at least a 3.0? Like, you know, do you have good grades in school? And honestly, I, I didn't. Um, so like you said that, you know, that did close some doors for me. Um, it did, but did it make it impossible for me? No, it it didn't. Um, you know, luckily, um, I was able to get a scholarship from Georgian core university, which I'm thankful for. And, um, you know, I had a really good freshman year. I was lucky enough to, uh, win the CACC championship as a freshman starting, uh, starting center back for the school.
0: If we can just backtrack John, before we get into your college career. Yeah what I like about your story is you've come up in a scenario as a youth player where you wanted something. And then you figured out that you couldn't have it. You know, this was academic. Sometimes it's playing level, sometimes it's money, but you wanted top end of D one. And then there's a realization of kind of, I want this from the world. It's not really feasible right now. This is what is open to me. Let me go take this opportunity and let me absolutely make the best of it. Um, what point did you realize that junior year, senior year, you know, was it, was it the recruiting of coach Robbie at Georgian court? What kind of switched your mindset from wanting this to realizing this was a good idea? Um, so I do remember the
1: day I was getting uh recruited by NJIT. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was just a student that I was just never good in school. You know, I just never had the best grades. That was me. Um, and I remember he was like, you know, your, your GPA is low. Can we try to score a higher SAT? And I took the first SAT, I scored very low. Um, and at that time, uh, from me, from when I took the first SAT to, you know, eventually signing up for the second round of the SAT to score higher, I was, I got reached out. Uh, jo- uh Robbie reached out to me, uh, Jordan court reached out to me within that time frame. Yeah. And it was like, hey, look, we're really interested in you. You know, uh, you know, we can we can definitely help you out uh financially and with soccer. So there, um, kind of being stuck in that situation from like not being able to, you know, play D1 because of my grades and finally getting an offer, which ultimately is what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, I just took a, a leap of faith and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do this, you know. Uh I might as well. This is like the best offer I have. And you know, it, I made the best out of it. Uh, the division two level, and uh, for a lot of people, that think you know, just because I made D one, I mean, I couldn't go D one. I'm sorry. Uh, now I have to settle for D two. That's not the case. D two has really, they have a really good um, the level of play is very good. You're still getting your degree. You can still make it out of division two. Yeah, uh, I just want a lot of these young kids to know that, you know, it's like just because you don't get into D one. Like it doesn't mean it's done you're done the the doors are closed, you know there's various like um routes you can take you know you can you can go d one you can perform well, and if your ultimate goal is to go pro, you go pro if not, you get your degree at the end of the day uh and you always have the option to you know get your g p a up and maybe transfer out to a d one so
0: mm-hmm. there's
1: a lot of options you have, and I feel I think like
0: what's impressive about you, John, is you made it pro from. D2, you're a professional Nisa champion. You know, your teammate Yakov Shmelev was also a D2 when you won the championship game. And a lot of D1 players didn't reach that level of pro. So I think a key lesson for kids is, you know, you're going to learn now or later that you don't always get what you want in life. And the ability to recognize opportunity that's there and go make the best of it with the right attitude is really a... Um, a really, really key skill in life because to, to be stuck in a cycle of wanting something and not getting it, that's something that can last for years. So here's another thing that I think would be helpful to young kids. Think about your high school senior year. Then think about your college freshman year. Tell us the differences. Tell us what coach Robbie taught you to make you a better player. And tell us what you wish that you found out the hard way in your freshman there that you wish you knew going in. Um. Oh, wow, that's a good question. <laughs> um,
1: you know, uh, uh, going into college, you know, I did learn that it, it wasn't all just playing soccer. You know, there's more to it. You know, there's more to it. There's that balance between school, being a student athlete. That's just as important. You know, if if you're not keeping up your grades, you're not going to be able to play. So one thing I learned is that you're going there, but you also have another responsibility, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can't just think that, you know, you know, I'm not just going to do school and not focus on school, but I'll be able to play like those two go hand in hand. Like you need school in order to play and be eligible to play. So that's one thing that he helped me realize. And uh, on my end, I was able to take responsibility and, you know, thankfully do well in school. Um, And Yeah. For me, it was just more of the responsibility. It was just more, it's more responsible. It's more responsibilities you have to deal with uh, when you go from that transition from senior year of um, of high school to freshman year.
0: Yeah. I remember when I coached at Dartmouth, I had some kids tell me that I'd be a, I'd be a really great soccer player if it wasn't for all the academic stress, (laughs) quite the obstacle in college soccer. And I think from a psychology standpoint, it's almost being able to focus and be present because we, we all live in this anxiety loop where our brain goes into the future and you're worried about homework while you're playing when right. like you're doing your homework and you want to play again. And you're never quite fully mentally immersed in present where you are. I believe college soccer really teaches that, you know, when you, when you're yeah. in class, be in class, when you're with your friends, be with your friends, but when you're on the field and practicing or in the weight room, then give that all your attention, you know, yeah. in terms of, uh, in terms of money, John, and you don't have to give figures, but again, this is for families and kids. You know, you, you didn't have the, uh, the ability to get massive academic scholarships, you know. So what, what were ways that you found in the recruiting process to be able to afford college?
1: Um, well, uh, for my case, I was lucky enough to get a uh, athletic scholarship. Um, yeah. And even, even having the GPA I had, you know, they were still able to help me out with some type of uh, academic money.
0: So, so I, I think what you just said there is key, John, because academic scholarship with a 2.3 is available, not available in big D1 schools. Right. Academic scholarships may be available in D2 that aren't available in D1.
1: Exactly.
0: So, I mean, I, I've had people, and I won't name names because it's not my business to do so, but I've had people have options of go play Division two for $8,000, go play Division one forty seven thousand $47,000. It's not a level thing. You know, this is tuition that you need to pay and tuition that you don't need to pay. So that kid is D1 level, but the smart decision maybe to go play D2. And I do think, uh, you know, I, I don't like how we divide college soccer into three divisions and you have to pick your favorite and argue against the rest. I don't like that at all. Yeah. But I just think it's a case of certain things in your position. There was money in athletic and the academic world that was available in D2 that wasn't available in D1. And that makes D2 the right option for a future pro. Right, right.
1: So like that's, that's also one thing uh, I want to let them know as well is that there's more that you have to take into account. Right. For me, I do better. I do better in small classrooms. You know, I do better in smaller schools. You know, if I was to go to a huge D1 school with, I don't know, maybe six, 50 kids in a class, that'll be more difficult for me. And, and especially me not being the best student in school not having the best academics. So there's a lot more you have to take into account and not just have that idea of, oh, D1, like, I have to go D1. Like, no, it's just whatever fits you. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's something that uh, these the young kids going into that uh, college have to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, in my experience, the best academic schools I've worked in, and I worked in the NESCAC and the Ivy League, which is high level, low student to teacher, teacher ratio, it's a, it's a big, big thing, man. You know, like when uh, when you're on a college soccer team, you usually have about 10 players per coach. It's a great race you ought to learn. You start going into these academic environments of one professor teaching hundreds of kids. Yeah, is a whole different universe. And that, that's a good point to bring up. So talk us through your college soccer career, John, you know, tell us about your successes. Tell us about the lessons you learned. Tell us about things that maybe you could go do differently. Um, you know, give, give us what you learned walking that road.
1: Yeah, so I came in there freshman year. Um be honest with you, as a freshman, I didn't think I was gonna play. I, I I came in, I was like, man, there's seniors here, like there's like guys have been here, it's probably gonna be very difficult. Um, so I came in there. Um, and you know, I just did my thing. I performed, I worried about myself. Um, and luckily I got the starting spot, played uh several games, played the entire season. And we had uh, we had a strong group. And luckily, like I said earlier, we were able to win our first uh, CACC uh, championship of like the history in school and the men's program. Um, Big time. Yeah. And it was it was good, um, you know, throughout my years in college. Uh, if I'm being completely honest with you, uh, I, I don't really regret a thing, to be honest with you, you know, I, yeah, I can say in the beginning, you know, this was the only offer I got, but I took that leap of faith and I kind of realized that, you know, this, I was happy at this school. I was performing well, I was getting recognition, I was getting awards, I was doing well, I was happy. So for me, once I found that happiness, I wasn't worried about playing division one anymore. Yeah, I knew that if I did my own work and I, I focused on myself and performed I knew that one way or another I was going to make it out successful. Yeah. And that's what a lot of a lot of the young players have to keep in mind. Is that and and uh, another lesson that ties in with that is like for me at least I realized that you know at the end of the day you just got to you you got to worry about yourself control what you can control and the outside factors you just can't control that. You can't let that affect you. You have to stay mentally uh mentally strong and and positive especially when things aren't going your way. And that's one thing I learned. So,
0: Great. yeah. Tell us about your favorite game, John, before we move on from college to pro. Mm. Like
1: my career-wise, right?
0: Yeah. Not Manchester United.
1: <laughs> um. Definitely, definitely the final. One in the Nisa. Yeah. That was, for me at least, you know, I can say I, I ended on a bang. Like, I finished my career as an athlete, a professional athlete on a bang. That was probably the – that was like a dream come true to me. Uh, I couldn't ask for a better ending, and it was just an amazing experience.
0: Yeah. And for those listening, that was last year's NISA championship game, November, Michigan Stars, the uh, the number three seed, I believe, hosting uh, Albion, maybe the four or the five seed. I can't remember. But, yeah. yeah. That was a beautiful day. So tell us, John, because this is a lot of the kids. The reason they want to go D1 is they want to play after college. Right. And people think that D1 is the only place you can do that, which is obviously not the case. Uh, tell us about your, uh, your transition from going into your senior year, wanting to play a professional and how it came about. Um,
1: so for me, uh, Throughout college, I guess you could say in the off seasons, you know, a lot of players play that the semi pro league, like the the NPSL during the summer and stuff like that. For me, I was always doing that. I was always staying involved in the game, staying active, staying as sharp as I could uh, during the off season throughout college. Um, and, you know, I I was getting a lot of looks at, from teams. Um, and that's when I kind of realized that, you know what, maybe, you know, let me, you know. Let me try and go the the combine. I did it. I actually did a combine um, and it went very well. That was in Toronto. I did a combine there, it went very well. Uh, and that's when I got my invitation to go to Portugal. Yeah. So uh, that's where basically my career kick started. And uh, I ended up uh, coming over to Michigan.
0: There's one thing I think lost in the college game. Once you get on that combine field and you're playing well, and pro coaches like myself are watching and you're watching the kid that's playing well, you don't care as much as you think what school he went to. Exactly. Yeah. And if, any, if anything, it works against, you know, guys, if they're not performing and you see a big school next to them, you're like, oh, wow. It's like, it's not an inherent advantage that you graduate out and you now you carry that for the rest of your career. Maybe it can open a door, but once that door's open, you better be good, man. Yeah. Uh, I think that edge, it's important to keep it through your... uh Keep it coming into college because because you come from an MLS Next Academy doesn't mean you're starting to get above a kid who didn't, and then keep it coming out of college because just because you played D one doesn't mean you're starting or getting contracts above kids that play D two. It's all about performance, and I think that is uh, definitely somewhat lost, you know, on so, on some people I speak to. Um, tell yeah. us you about your experience in Michigan because one thing I want to uh, point out here is you were a career centre back. You know, but for me, a good player is a good player. A centre-back yeah. can often be a six. A full-back can often be a winger. You know, a six can often be an eight, be a ten. A nine could drop deep. Positions aren't as fixed as you think if you're actually good, you know, and yeah. you've got these skill sets and you can win ball in the air, you can win ball in the ground, you're tactically away, you can complete passes. You can play either centre-back or the six with ease for me, and I would have even considered you in the eight. So talk us through, through your eyes what it was like to play center back your whole career and find yourself as the starting center mid on a pro team
1: uh okay so i'll be completely honest with you uh do that for the first time <laughs> so <laughs> i'll be honest it, it it was a transition it was a big, a big transition you know i you, you go from you go from playing with the game in front of you to now having to play with it, you know, with your back towards the game and having to look over your shoulder a lot more and there's more pressure consistently on you. Um, for me, when when I was first told that I was gonna play the six, to me it was like, oh, well, I've never done this, but I me just I'll do it. You know, at the end of the day, for me, it's like, you know, I want to be on that field and I'll do whatever it takes to be on that field. And I have to, if I have to get a job done and a task done. To be able to play and start i'll do it yeah so for me um i i I took it and i ran with it i was doing i was watching a lot of players i was watching videos of sergio busquets i was watching a lot of videos and analyzing their game and seeing what i could do better and what what i can kind of reflect on from watching his game you know
0: and i think that's a great lesson for kids john because Instead of going back and forth with the coaches and wanting to play your position and potentially being the third centre back when we play two, learn, dive into something new, play the games, have good games, have bad games, and ultimately start every game and win the championship as a starting centre mid. Yeah. I can't even remember if you were all league, but you should have been. Were you all? Were you all Nisa? Uh second team, yeah. Yeah, same thing. So all league having transitioned to centre back when you were playing the highest level of opposition, a very impressive thing. But for that to happen, you've got to, you've got to let it happen. You know, you do, you can't dig your heels in and fight and talk to your coaches and say, I want this. I want that. I want this again. I want this. I've been given this. Let's make the most of this because every day crying about this is a day wasted, you know? Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I'll, I'll say John, as your coach, you're absolute pleasure to have on the team. You know, I wasn't happy when I found out you weren't playing pro soccer no more. Yeah, but I think uh, you'd be a great example to younger players, which transitions seamlessly into what you're doing nowadays because you are uh, running a coaching academy, right? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, me and a buddy of mine, uh, we started uh, Next Level Development Academy. Um, so our main goal and focus with that is to. Uh, give the kids, the local kids and, and the kids in New Jersey that want to train with us the opportunity that me and my partner never had growing up, you know, that good coaching development career. Um, and and for us, it's all about giving back and, and kind of sharing the knowledge that we learned at the professional level, being professional players and what I've learned in Europe and here and kind of bringing it all here and kind of, you know, being being able to give it to the kids and 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 pass that knowledge on to them and have them ready and be prepared for you know whether it's them going to college or them wanting to play in the professional game
0: love that so, so that's that's a great way to live and i'm i'm going to enjoy seeing you build that i see you've already had a clinic yes, kids yes out there love, yeah. love to see that so that's about it any last words any last lessons anything you think is worth bringing up or discussing if you know. A young version of John Firmino, high school senior, maybe low grades, not getting the looks he wants from D1. Any any advice to that kid to sign off? I just want
1: to say that when, when it doesn't go your way, you know, stay strong, stay positive, and try not to compare yourself to the next person. You know, everybody has their own story. You, your story is written differently from the next person. And the most important thing is to understand that. And, you know, be positive and have some faith that good things are going to come your way.
0: I like that, John. You've mentioned the word faith a, um, a lot this interview, and I do believe it's a big part of success in life. You know, you can't take every obvious option. You can't bet on the winning horse after the race is finished. Um, you do have to make intelligent evaluations of your situation in life and have some faith that the door that was open for you you can go make the best out of. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad our paths have uh, crossed, John. I really have on this journey. Me as coach and you as player and who knows in the future. Likewise,
1: likewise too.
0: So anyone listening, hope you got uh, value from this. If you have interest in college placement assistance, there is a link below this YouTube video and an email address that you can contact us. And uh, John, what's your website for anyone in Jersey interested in Next Level? So it's
1: www. NextLevelDA.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram at NextLevelDA. Appreciate you, brother. Signing off. Thank you. Take care, Stu.